Good morning. My name is Nathaniel Summers, and I am the Missional Communities Director here at Storehouse. And I got a couple announcements uh, before we get going today. And so first announcement is uh, our partnership with Taylor Community Center. Uh, we have done this every single year where we have a back-to-school drive, and we help families in need to be able to get all the supplies that they need for uh, for their children going back to school. Um, and we partner with Taylor Community Center as they are able to lead this up and go through it. Um, and so if you want more information about ways that you can contribute or help, we always need donations of anything from backpacks to, um, you know, pencils, pens, paper, like all that stuff. If you've got kids, you know how much the schools really need. And especially with this year, with it being such a unique situation, um, with distance learning being the beginning and then moving to uh, hopefully classroom uh, participation, uh, there may be some you know, unique needs that families have. And so we're able to help many families through this um, by being able to get them the supplies that they need. So go to our website, click the uh, graphic for the back to school drive, and it'll give you all the information you need on, on things that you can donate as well as where you can get those supplies to. And our second uh, announcement is about our missional communities. And so right now, uh, during this season, we're taking a break from missional communities because of everything going on. And um, we just want to make sure that we're staying safe and protected. And so I would encourage you to uh, get connected with other people through you know, Zoom, phone calls, to be able to stay in contact, as well as uh, reach out and, and be start a discipleship group. Discipleship groups are just groups of two or three uh, that are meeting specifically together to read scripture, to pray for each other, to be able to confess sin, and to be able to grow in their relationship with God uh, together as a small, intimate group. Um, and these are an amazing way to be able to intentionally disciple one another as well as to uh, really address some of those things in a more intimate atmosphere. And so I would encourage everyone to be able to uh, reach out to your MC leader or you can email me at nate at storehousemcallan.com and I'll help you get hooked up with anyone uh, who you know is also looking for a discipleship group and, and you guys are able to then meet together or do phone calls, whatever works for you, but you're able to you know, get Get through this season in a very intentional way of discipleship. And so uh, those are all our announcements today, and we're going to now jump into uh, our sermon. We're going to be continuing our series in 2 Timothy today, and what we see is that in this letter, Paul is in prison uh, because there's been an increase in persecution uh, throughout the Roman Empire on Christians, and so Paul is in prison writing this letter and you can kind of get the vibe. You see that he is saying his goodbyes almost to Timothy and to others. And he is uh, kind of giving these last thoughts. And the thing that he really wants to push on to Timothy, make sure Timothy understands, is that despite of the increase in persecution or you know the challenges coming his way or anything that Timothy may even be feeling, whether it's fear, doubt, anxiety, any of that, Paul is saying, hey, I want you to remember to hold on to the gospel. I want you to remember what's of first importance and remember that Jesus Christ is above all of this uh, stuff that may be happening or anything that may even happen to Paul. And so today we're going to focus on Paul's message of perseverance for the believer and for Timothy specifically. 
And so we're in 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18, and we're going to see what perseverance actually looks like and, and how we do it. And so for a second, before we get into the text, I want to spend a moment talking about what actually perseverance is. And so oftentimes we, we think about the word perseverance and we get this idea of um, kind of carrying on through difficult times. It's almost associated with difficulty and trial and tribulation. And the fact is, though, perseverance itself as a word, it, it doesn't have to do necessarily with negative things. Perseverance is actually just the act of going from one place and carrying on steadily throughout both highs and lows. And so when we're looking at perseverance, we don't want to get focused completely on just the negative aspects. Because the truth is that relationships can ebb and flow and we can just as easily lose sight of that relationship in the highs and the lows. And so an example that I thought of immediately was my relationship with my wife, Nicole. And so when we're looking at any relationship, and so you can can insert spouse, best friend, family member, brother, sister, whatever. Think of a relationship that you've had that's, that's firm, strong, steady for a long time. When you think of that, you think of a commitment that you guys have to each other. That's what relationship is. It's you're committing to each other in some way or another. And so for Nicole and I, we we made a commitment to love each other, care for each other. And we have this moment. And so like, let's say from the moment, you know, at the altar, we got married. We're at this point of, man, we love each other. We're committed to each other. And from that point till now and beyond, we've got this steady commitment, the steady relationship that's going through our lives. And there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. And we've definitely had that moments where, you know, everything is awesome. Like we feel like, man, our just care and love for each other is going so well. Like we're hitting everything that we need to. And there's been times when maybe we fought more, maybe argued some, and it kind of just, you know, feels like a low moment. And so whether or not our emotions are going up or down or wherever on the spectrum, the thing that we can hold on to, the thing that helps us to be able to continue on in our relationship and keep it healthy, whether we're in a high or a low, is this constant perseverance, this continuum, this this, uh, moment that we had where we are now deciding and committing to each other, where it's going to persevere, it's going to stay steady throughout the highs and the lows. And so that's what perseverance actually looks like. It's not just associated with the bad or the good. It is a relationship that is staying steady and firm throughout. And that's what God does for us. He perseveres in his love for you and I. And so we know that regardless of the way that we act or or how we are, the way we think, God is going to love us despite of that. And the greatest example of that is sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. When he didn't have to, despite us rejecting him and walking away from him, He died for us because he wants relationship. And so God perseveres in his love for us and and his relationship with us. And so we can 
do the same thing by seeking and pursuing perseverance in our relationship with God so that we can honor him and glorify him. And that's the mark of a true relationship is to have that perseverance, that steadiness throughout that we can stand firm in the relationship regardless. And so that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at what that perseverance is in our relationship with God. And so what we're going to do is look at two questions that have to do with perseverance in this passage. We're going to see the answers here. Number one, what does perseverance actually look like? What are the hallmarks? What, what, what are the marks of perseverance? And then two, how do we persevere? How do we actually persevere then? So we're going to look at those two questions. Before we dive into that and dive into the text, I'm going to read the passage, and then I'll pray for our time this morning. And so 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today, this morning, the opportunity that we have to gather together digitally and to be able to worship you. Uh, Even if we're not able to be in the same building, we're still a church that's together worshiping you as a family. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you do, even in the midst of season that is difficult and confusing and uh, troublesome for, for all of us. I ask that you continue to help guide us so that we can keep our focus on you, that we can uh, worship you and glorify you despite of all of the circumstances around us. Lord, I ask that you set me aside this morning. Holy Spirit, flow through the text so that it may speak to all of us and that the message that you have is the one that people will hear. Lord, I submit myself to you so that you may use me in whatever way you need. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Amen. All right, so today we're going to look through uh, perseverance and those two questions that I had said before. What does perseverance actually look like? What are the marks of it? And how do we persevere? And so what does perseverance look like? Well, we see here that Paul kind of lays out two things. And so the first one is perseverance looks like that we are not ashamed of the gospel. It says in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, 
nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And I want to take a moment here and make a distinction. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel. And so we can't confuse the gospel, the actual gospel, with cultural Christianity. So the gospel, the actual gospel, is that God saw that we were separated from him because of sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to live fully man and fully God and die on the cross for our sins, paying that price so that we could be in relationship with, with God. And then he resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven so that our relationship with God would be eternal. That's the gospel. That's the basis. That is what is first importance and is the most important thing in our lives. That's the gospel. Do not confuse the gospel with cultural Christianity. Don't confuse it with the things that maybe the American church or any other you know, area, any other culture, society has placed upon the church and upon Christianity. Because the truth is that every single culture is going to have that. I mean, we definitely have it. One thing that um, I immediately think of, uh, a great example of this, is just the political atmosphere of the United States. And not just now, but for quite a while now. There seems to be this predominant idea among many people that Christians are Republicans and they have to be one and the same. That's just not true. I mean, that is a lie that is perpetuated, though, by so many people, including people professing to be Christians. And what that does is it takes Christianity and turns it into something that's not focused on the gospel. It's focused rather on cultural norms, societal uh, issues. It takes it and, and twists it into something that's not about Jesus at all. Rather, it's about whatever belief system that that individual or this group of people want. We should be focused on the gospel and the gospel alone. We should be focused on scripture and what the Bible teaches us. We should not assume that certain cultural things like a political party or a cause or a movement or anything like that, that that has to do with Christianity because it doesn't. The gospel is our only focus. It is the only thing that matters. And we cannot confuse the gospel with all these other things that have to do with culture. When we start doing that, we begin to warp the gospel and confuse ourselves and others. And so no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no matter what you think about certain issues, do not assume that the gospel is associated with one thing or another. It, it is not. The gospel is itself standing on its own and it is about relationship with God and redemption and how people are loved by him so much that he redeems them. It has nothing to do with whether you're a blue state, red state, whatever. Do not confuse the gospel with cultural Christianity. 
And the truth is that conflict will happen. Conflict is always going to happen. I mean, Jesus himself said that uh, believers of him were going to face persecution and conflict constantly. But even persecution, we confuse too much with just conflict that is the result of poor behavior on the part of people professing to be believers. Often we see that non-believers will have animosity toward religion itself, including Christianity, or an ignorance of what Christianity actually is. And this is more often than not born out of people confusing the gospel with cultural Christianity. And so an example of even right now would be the whole mask issue. There are a lot of people who have a problem wearing masks in the face of this pandemic. And so I'm not even, I'm not going to even touch on that or, or anything, but you should definitely wear a mask. But what I'm going to say is that there is this predominant thought, and it's not just here throughout the whole country that Christians are the ones that are leading this charge where we shouldn't wear a mask because it infringes on some kind of freedom or constitutional right that we have. And the fact that people believe that this is somehow related to Christianity, that, that is terrible because wearing a mask has absolutely nothing to do with the gospel. The gospel is of most importance. And the gospel teaches us something that we should, uh, that we should love others and care for them and have compassion for them. And so standing on this like firm ground of, man, I'm not going to wear a mask and it's because I'm a Christian because, you know, I'm not supposed to do that and, and follow, you know, a government over God. That's misguided. That is completely misguided and you're taking a cultural thing and you're turning it into more something that's more important than what the gospel actually says. And you're giving other believers, you're putting them in this situation where people hate Christianity more because of your own pride and arrogance. Do not confuse the gospel and what scripture teaches us with your own personal views, beliefs. Do not confuse what God teaches in scripture with the cultural things that you want to push. Conflict is happening too often because of this, and it is hindering the gospel. Now, there is a truth to persecution happening just because people hate Jesus. There may be people who actually know, you know, everything that Scripture teaches. They, they know the, the gospel in terms of what it actually is, and they still hate Jesus, and they will hate you because you follow him. And that's a reality, and that happens as well. But when we respond, when people, whether they're believers or not, in the name of Jesus, respond with shame and fear, anxiety, doubt, unbelief, I mean, anger, hatred, when those responses become the norm, then the gospel is going to be pushed aside. And we're going to see that people are going to be hindered from hearing it, they're going to end up hating the church. And oftentimes it's nothing about what Christianity is actually about. 
I would say that a majority of the conversations that I have with non-believers when it comes to the church and it comes to scripture and Jesus, the majority of the time, the hang up that they have, the thing that they are against has absolutely nothing to do with God, has absolutely nothing to do with what Christianity is actually about. Rather, it's because somebody, something, some situation had taken Christianity and made it about some stance, some political party, some issue, some behavior that has nothing to do with honoring God. Do not forget the gospel. That is what we should be focused on. The gospel is what is important. Do not replace the gospel with something else. And so when we respond poorly to things, when we respond in a way that is reflecting our fear, anxieties, our doubts, our, our anger, when we respond that way, we make it about something other than the gospel. Because the, when we respond according to scripture, and we respond with the Holy Spirit and dwelling within us and coming out of us, we respond in a very unique and uh, God-honoring way. And we see this in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that passage, Romans 12. I'm going to read that passage. And I want you to just take a moment Close your eyes if you want to, and just focus on the words. Focus on what this passage says. And I want you to test yourself. Are you responding in a negative way? Are you responding in a way of shame, fear, anxiety, anger? Or are you responding in a way that is described in Romans 12? So it begins verse 9. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Be constantly in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the way we should be responding to any situation, to anything happening. That's what the gospel, being the primary focus of your life, that's the behavior that's going to come out of you. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do through your life and others 
if you hold on to the gospel and you're not ashamed of what the gospel actually says. Don't let your pride and your arrogance get in the way of what the gospel really teaches. Don't be ashamed of the real gospel. Stand firm in Jesus Christ, in the message that he gives us in his word. Stand firm in that in the face of conflict and persecution from both without the church and within the church. Number two, what does perseverance actually look like? It's a person that's committed to scripture. And this follows with exactly what we just talked about, where somebody who is focused and not ashamed of the gospel is going to live their life according to what scripture teaches and scripture alone. In verse 13 of 2 Timothy, it says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The way Paul says this is so beautiful. He says that we follow the pattern of the sound words that he taught to Timothy. What he's saying here is that Timothy needs to hold on to the theology and the doctrine that he had taught him through scripture. And the way he says it, follow the pattern of the sound words. The image that in the original language actually conveys is that it is a lasting imprint on your mind. And so he actually is saying that doctrine, theology, the truth of scripture that we see here should actually be imprinted on your mind to where it's there forever. It's lasting. It's, it's an imprint where all your thought processes, every way you go about situations in life, it goes through this pattern. It goes through that imprint on your mind. And it's an active living thing. Meaning that it's not something you do once and then you leave it and think it's going to carry you through. Rather, you're continuously feeding it and making that imprint again and again and again. The word is so valuable and it has been a gift to us, given to us so that we can know the mind of God and know what he wants us to do to honor and glorify him. That is an amazing gift and it is valuable and we want to hold on to it. And not only have we been granted that gift, but the Holy Spirit dwells within us and allows us to even understand it, understand the ways of God when otherwise we wouldn't be able to. Cherish it. Cherish this gift that's been given to us. Don't throw it into a closet and never think of it again, but rather use it every single day. Commit to it. Love it. Immerse yourself in Scripture. When we are persevering in, in a relationship with God, that means that we are committed to Scripture fully. Because that is the way that he speaks to us. A commitment to Scripture is naturally going to even lead to our next question of how do we persevere? How do I persevere today in my life? This commitment to Scripture is the foundation of all of it. Because it's only through the truth that we find in Scripture can we find perseverance? Can we persevere? Everything's grounded in the word. And if you are not committed to reading, to studying, to knowing your Bible, to the word of God, then you will not be able to persevere. It's a simple truth. It's a difficult one. It's a hard truth, but it's truth. 
So what do we find in scripture that allows us to persevere? How do we persevere in life today? Well, number one, the truth of God's sovereign grace. In verse 9, Paul says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. <clears throat> God's sovereign grace and the story that's told through this verse. What we see is that Paul begins with the fact that we are saved. A reminder that you have salvation through God's grace. That we are called into it. It's not by our own effort. It's nothing you can do to be saved. It's not a transaction there's nothing you can do. There's no actions you can take. You can't go to God and say, hey, if I read the Bible this much, if I pray this much, if I do these good things, if I volunteer this much, then I am owed relationship with you or I am owed salvation. That's not how it works. You are called, chosen by God and pursued by him for his purpose and his glory. We're, we're saved by a holy calling from God for his own purpose, his own glory. It is his choice to pursue you. And he says that Christ chose us before the ages began. This is a beautiful thing because what it shows us is that we have never been apart from his love and his care. Even before we existed and well beyond our life on this earth, we are not apart from God. His care is a constant. And our knowledge of that care and that love is granted through relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship is eternal because he died on the cross. He rose on the third day, and he ascended to the Father. It is because of that that we can be assured that we will also have a resurrection and we will be by his side forever and have this relationship that will continue on. All to fulfill our own purpose, which is to glorify him. That's the story of God's sovereign grace. That's the story of his sovereign grace in your life, in our lives, in the life of the church. And it is beautiful. It is wonderful. It is the thing that carries us through. It is the reason why we can persevere. It is the reason why no matter how good or bad things get, we are able to stay steady in a commitment to God. God's sovereign grace is how we persevere. Now, the knowledge of this story alone is not enough. What we see, and this is our second point, is that we must know the story. We must know Jesus, but we must also believe Jesus. Believe what scripture tells us 
And then we also need to trust that what he tells us is true. It's a spectrum from knowing to believing to trusting. And if you stop at any point before trusting, then you're missing it. Paul says in verse 12 that he is not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What has been entrusted to Paul, what he says here is that it's the word, scripture. Okay, Scripture has been entrusted to him. And he's not ashamed because I, he knows. And so, even, I mean, Scripture even says that demons know who Jesus are and they tremble, but that doesn't save them. And so knowing the gospel, knowing God's sovereign grace and who Jesus is, isn't enough. You can know it. Paul goes on, though, saying, For I know whom I have believed. He knows him and he believes it. And so you start here, man, I, I know what Scripture says. I know what you know, the gospel is, who Jesus is. The next step is that, man, I believe it's true. I believe that God does redeem. I believe that God works through his people. I believe that God heals. He transforms hearts. I believe this is true. But if you stop there, then you're still missing it. You have to move on to trust. Because if you stop at believing, then what happens is you say, man, I, I know who God is. I know that he redeems and he does the work in us and he transforms hearts. And I believe that he does this, just not in me. I believe that he does amazing miracles for other people. I believe that he can help me defeat the sin in my life but he's just not going to do it for me. That's what happens when you stop at belief. You have to take the step into trust. Paul says, I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He is convinced, he trusts that not only is Jesus who he says he is, not only does he believe that Jesus really is the Savior, but he trusts that everything Jesus says, everything that is in Scripture, will happen for him. Are you able to trust that what Scripture teaches is true for you? Are you stopping at any point along the way? Are you stopping at just knowing what the Bible teaches? It's knowledge to you. Are you stopping at believing? Where, man, I do believe this. I believe it completely. It's true. But you just deep down don't think it actually applies to you. Are you really trusting him? Are you convinced that the promises in scripture are true and they will happen? We must continue on from knowledge to belief to trust. It is only when we can trust that God's sovereign grace is really in control and that that gospel story is true. Only when we trust it are we able to actually persevere because trust means that we know it will happen. Number three, we see that community has been given to us so that we may persevere. At the end of this passage, Paul is talking about 
a bunch of people who have both failed him and have been awesome encouragement. Just like Paul, we need to take heed of both the successes around us and the failures around us. The truth is that there's going to be many times and many people who are going to let us down, even within the church, other believers. There's going to be people that also encourage us and are able to be there exactly when we need it and they're going to help us through whatever. We need to remember the successes, the times when we are encouraged by a brother or sister, those times when we're able to uh, continue on with the encouragement of others around us. And we also need to remember the times when we felt like we've been failed by somebody. When somebody has maybe just not loved you in the way you thought you needed or, or been able to say that word or reached out enough. Because it's a reminder, one, that we're not perfect. None of us are. But God is. God will always be there for you. And two, it's a reminder that we are also going to be a success or a failure for somebody else. That we can reach out and be that person that's going to help somebody be encouraged. Or we can be that person that's going to disappoint somebody because we never did. Where are you at on that? Are you, are you being the church to other believers? Are you reaching out? Are you loving on each other? Are you not? Where are you at in this? And hold on to the successes. Remember that regardless of how an individual or, or a group of people may seemingly fail you, they are trying to love on you too. But we all need to work together as a family and a community to be able to encourage and exhort each other so that we may glorify God above all else. We need to set ourselves aside sometimes and be able to see the bigger picture of, as a church, we can persevere together, move forward together, and be able to stand firm in our relationship with God as a family, as a body of believers. And community grounds us. It grounds us in scripture and keeps us focused on the gospel so that we don't get confused by the other things around us. So that we don't confuse the gospel with cultural Christianity. Rather, we're able to say, this is what the gospel is and let me remind you of it. Thank you for reminding me of it. As a community, we're able to stay focused on scripture. Being a Christian is hard. It's always going to be hard. Jesus tells us that straight up. But it's very confusing sometimes too. We're being pulled in so many directions and how we should act, how should we should respond to situations, politics, uh, cultural trends, division and conflict within the church and without, and between denominations, uh, different uh, reform happening in our world today, technology advances. There, There's so much going on around us that it's hard to know as a believer where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. And it can be so easy to be overwhelmed and led astray. Or even make a good thing a God in itself. So my encouragement to you today is to remember the gospel above all else. Persevere through life by remembering scripture Remembering what Jesus teaches us through his holy word so that we can be grounded 
and that we can persevere throughout our lives and our relationship with God. Because the simple truth is, the thing to remember is that we persevere in this life by loving God via his holy word that he has granted us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through scripture and that you have given us a way to know who you are and what you are doing. God, you are so wonderful. You are, you are so glorious. You are the one that deserves to be praised. And I ask that you help us to remember that. Let us stay focused on you despite everything else going on. Let us be able to commit ourselves to your holy word. Commit ourselves to you so that we can go through our life and persevere to stay strong, standing firm, and committed to a relationship with you throughout the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. Where emotionally we may be a roller coaster, but we have a steady thread throughout our lives of perseverance in our relationship with you. Thank you that you give that to us, that we can have it. Lord, you are so holy, and we worship you today. And we just ask that you help us to be able to glorify you in all things. In your holy name. Amen.